Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to today's episode of the ISO with myself, Dan Dickow, your host, and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network. We always strive to bring you a great conversation from somebody with a ton of experience in the world of sports, could be a player coach, former or active. It could be a strength coach. It could be an author, a broadcaster. You never know. Today's guest, someone who had tremendous success in the world of basketball, both at the college and the NBA level, represented USA in the 2008 Olympics, winning a gold medal in Beijing. And now he is spending a great amount of his time on the business side, former Milwaukee Buck, friend of mine, Michael Red. Michael, Thanks for joining. How is life in Columbus for you, yourself, and your family these days? Yeah, it's good. It's been good, Dan. Uh, good to hear from you and see you again, man. Um, yeah, we 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 we've been uh, we've been creative, innovative uh, of keeping our kids, uh, you know, engaged, motivated throughout the summer and spring. Obviously, with COVID, this pandemic, and all the social issues that are, are among us right now. It's been a, a really unique time. Um, we as a family have, uh, have got grown closer. Um, we've been uh, quarantining at home for the most part, like most people. And uh, yeah, but just, just playing Monopoly and Uno and all the things you can do uh, with your kids. It's funny because when the school season was still in session, we were the principal, the janitor, the lunch lady, the tutor, <laughs> so it was it was it was a unique time for us, but we've kind of bonded closer uh, in this time. Yeah, parents have had to put on a number of different hats over the last few months. Um, whether it's as you mentioned, making every meal, whether it's cleaning up everything, uh, and continuing to have to, as a parent or a provider, continue your job on a day to day basis to provide and kind of provide stability for your family. You know, we'll talk about your playing career a little bit later on in our conversation, but, you know, reconnecting with you, kind of learning a little bit about what you're doing on the business side, uh, it sounds like you've got a little bit of freedom to kind of uh, pick and choose what you want to be involved with, uh, but then pick and choose the timing of when you're going to do that as well so you can kind of continue to, to spend as much time with your family because I know that's so important to you. Yeah, I mean, you share a lot of the same core values on life. And uh, we spent a lot of time over the years together talking about the future and we're actually in the future now. And the, the theme of the future was always family. And 
everything has to center around what we do with our families. So I think you can continue to be a businesswoman, businessman, but yet still be a family person as well. And so uh, it's not a perfect formula for that, but the intention for me is always to keep the family first and everything that I do. So I do have flexibility. I, I like working from home. Um, I've been more efficient since I've been home. I miss people though. And it's interesting because technology was very cool as long as we had the foundation of in-person meetings and connecting. Now that we don't have that foundation around, technology is not as cool as it used to be. You know, so I'm virtually fatigued right now at this point uh, on Zoom calls, Microsoft Teams, constantly on the computer, which has been great to see people, but I love to hug and touch and be in front of people. So hopefully this whole pandemic uh, has the world appreciating uh, each other more from this. Yeah, virtually fatigued. I have yet to hear that, and it's <laughs> spot on. It's, it's almost perfect because I'm very similar. Uh, you know, things have opened up a little bit, uh, but still, it, it's, it's different. You, you don't go in for the same handshake or the same hug with your friends when you see them. Um, typically, you know, when you're at a restaurant, it's walk in, get it, take it home and eat it as opposed to enjoy conversation with family or friends. Uh, so that's been different. I guess when things are 100% fully back opened up uh, for this country, and for Columbus, Ohio, what's the first thing Michael Red and his family are going to do when there are no restrictions to anything? Go get a hug. <laughs> I'm so need, I'm so need of a hug, man. I mean, it's it's and my kids, and my wife, we hug each other all the time, but I just miss hugging people. And then me and you have that same value of loving people and hugging people, man. And and, and that's a big deal to me. So find someone and go hug them. That's one of the first things I'm going to do you've obviously spoke about kind of core values to you and, and knowing you the way I know you and, and you were, were a tremendous part of a Christian outreach program that you and I were together on years ago in the Portland area. Share how your Christian faith has really kind of bolstered you in these uncertain times uh, due to the coronavirus and due to all of the, the social unrest issues. Um, because quite frankly, at the end of the day, in my opinion, God's message is love. Love one person the same as the next and try to help each other. Yeah, no, I think, I think from a pandemic standpoint, you know, the word of God has been like my compass. Um, and it's been everything to me. Uh, it's helped me with my sanity. <laughs> uh, it's helped me with any anger that I may feel. Uh, all that's going on with the social injustices that are happening around us. The word of God and the walk with God has had me have a refined approach more than a reactive approach to things. And so, um, yeah, there, there, there's definitely been that at the core of my, my, my happiness and joy and peace during this time. Um, so, you know, it's, it means everything to me. It always has, but even in this time right now with our family, um, encouraging people, encouraging people who lost their jobs, encouraging pastors, leaders who have pressure to lead in this moment. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty about the future right now. And so, but one thing that is uh, a constant, I know for both of us has been our walk with God and the word of God. And, um, you know, no matter what's going on around us, I, I got to be governed by my walk with God. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting time for me because I've kind of been traffic cop with corporations, with pastors, with leaders, with government officials, 
on different topics concerning the pandemic and also obviously with uh, the social injustice issues that are happening within our country. So the church needs a lead right now. The church absolutely has to lead. I believe Christians have to lead um, and lead by the spirit. So that's, uh, that's been my world the last six months. Yeah, and I, I know you and I know how important your faith is to you. Uh, and it's refreshing to hear somebody that's in the, in the public eye uh, willing to step up and say that and what they believe in. And, and I know you walk that. You don't just talk that. Um, but I want to talk a little bit now about your playing career. And you are someone who grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Ohio State is one of the biggest universities in the country. Got one of the biggest athletic department followings. You decided to stay home and you helped lead the Buckeyes to a Final Four. What is your biggest takeaway, one of the biggest pieces of, of memory that you take from your time as a player at Ohio State? Boy, I have to remember 20 years ago. Um, you know, me and you are the same age now. And it's like, wow, who was that guy? You know, my kids come up to me sometimes with YouTube clips or, you know, you see things, you're like, I don't remember playing like that uh, at all. But, uh, you know, it was an incredible time in my life because at the time the program was down when I decided to go to Ohio State. And it was an opportunity to, for one, stay close to home and let my mom do my laundry and eat home cooking. And then number two, uh, revitalize a program that had been, been down, you know? So I didn't think it was right for me to leave uh, this city, this state, and help another program without coming to Ohio State and helping our, my hometown program. So that was the, the choice I made and decision I made, which I have enjoyed since then, since the last 20 years. We went to the Final Four, we won a Big Ten Championship, we had great success in that, in that college uh, experience. Yeah, you went there, played there, had success, you're living there now. I can only imagine because of that decision to stay home, uh, it's kind of bolstered your, your networking opportunities uh, for, things that you want to get involved with in the supportive community. It's probably bolstered your, your business aspirations. That's very similar to myself with having moved back to Spokane after my success and, and connection um, to a lot of people around the Gonzaga community. It's so important uh, to realize just how many touch points there are. You know, a lot of young people listen to this podcast and there's a lot of touch points that maybe early on in your, your high school, college playing career, you don't realize, Hey, that person might be a tremendous asset or become a tremendous business partner to me down the road. I want to learn a little bit more about what they do. And it sounds like you've taken that concept and ran with it uh, back in Columbus. So you spent your three years at Columbus, you become a second round pick in the NBA. And as most people know, second round picks, nothing's handed to them. You've got to earn your way. You've got to grind your way uh, to one, make it, then kind of solidify yourself. And then not all of them really turn out to have a, a outstanding career. You did all of that. And one of the most impressive things that I've seen in, in the 11 year career that you had was as a rookie, you scored about two points a game. The first seven years of your career, your point per game average went up every single year. What I see when I look at that number is somebody that is never satisfied um, continuously working, constantly working at their craft and attention to detail and then taking advantage of opportunity. What was that early part of your career arc like for you? 
in kind of getting to that point where you become an all-star? I think um, I was just driven by vision. I had a vision of what I wanted to become uh, or do. And I was driven daily. And those, that vision kind of governed decisions that I made. Um, it dictated where to go, when to get my rest, how long to stay in the gym, so on and so on. So I had a, a vision to be the best player in the world, um, on the best team in the world. And so that was the goal and, and, and dream that I had and vision that I had. And um, I just grinded. I worked every single day. I would not be denied. Um, I knew I belonged uh, in the NBA. And I had great mentors at the time with Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Glenn Robinson, um, and Irvin Johnson, Lindsey Hunter, you remember those names. Oh, yeah. Great veterans who uh, were, were big in my development, but challenged me every day. And I was committed to being the first one at practice every day and the last one to leave every day. And that literally carried me through my career. Um, those, those, uh, those traits um, were with me my whole career. So I, I was driven to be the best. Um, it was never really about economics, although we know economics are included. It was just purely wanting to be the best and uh, get as the maximum potential out of my game as possible. And it just took a lot of work, uh, which I love to do. It was a big difference between college, obviously, and the NBA, where you have unlimited time um, to, to get better and, and focus purely on your craft. And I try to take advantage of that as best I could. Um, if, I'm the type of person, if you give me a, a sliver, I'm going to take advantage of it and make it into a mile of an opportunity. And so once I got in the door, it was like, oh, I'm here. And I belong, and I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to continue to get better and better and better. So um, the first seven years, I didn't really didn't know that. Obviously, you said it. But I, I found out after my career that that was the case. And I was just playing and having fun. Well, you played, you had fun, and the skill set that you have, the, the footwork, the quick release, the range on your jump shot, it, it was perfectly tailored to today's game. And you had a tremendous amount of success in those mid-2000s, but when you look at today's game, what do you see, and do you wish that you played in today's era where there's even more space, there's, the game's played with more pace? Yeah, you know what's interesting? Because the three-point shot now is of emphasis more than ever before, um, as you know. And uh, it's a different game. It's less physical. Uh, I, I quantify the game as uh, a small man's game played by tall men. And, uh, you know, these are avatars out there nowadays compared to when we played even. Um, everyone's 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", at every position but they all can handle the basketball. So it's fun to watch the game evolve from a skill set standpoint. Um, the game has obviously been influenced by the European way of how ball is played. Um, and the game is certainly entertaining. Um, do I wish I played in this era? Uh, it would be interesting um, because <laughs> it's less physical and the three point shot is, is more prevalent. And, and, I think I shot maybe, on average, maybe three threes a game. Yeah, and you were one of the best shooters in the league for a long time. You know, it, well, thank you, man. And, 
it's, Dan, it was interesting because I was a scorer who happened to shoot threes. My natural bent was to score the basketball. So in this era of scoring and high numbers, it would be fun to see what, what I could do in this era. But uh, yeah, man, it was an interesting time for us when we played. Uh, I hated chasing you around um, because you were small and quick uh, and heady. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun time in our, in our era. I have no regrets of when we played. Our time was our time, um, but it's fun to see what these kids are doing now. Uh, I, I do like that comment. Our time was our time, and it's fun to watch these guys. Because, yeah, there are some guys that I, I just look at and I shake my head and be like, I wasn't a great defender anyways, but I could not even slow that person down. And, and I, I have no problems admitting it. I was not a good on-ball defender, but put me in a team setting and I could, I could be okay. Uh, but 10 of your 11 years were, were with the Bucks. The Bucks, obviously one of the most uh, competitive teams right now with a chance to win a championship while the NBA is in the bubble. Uh, is that who you like watching right now? Or is there one team that you gravitate towards? And then is there one player in the league that you just, you know, you find yourself at awe with what he's doing? Yeah, Dan, it was actually 11 years. Uh, my 12th year was in Phoenix. Um, and I'm so proud that you said that over a decade of being with one organization is, is rare and so honored to play for that organization. It took care of me and my family. And uh, there was a love affair with the city, obviously, that I have still to this day. I go back when I can to watch the games and support the guys. Uh, of course, I watch the Bucs. Uh, I think they have an incredible chance to win the championship this year. The bubble experience is a little unique and different. Uh, obviously, without the fans uh, and the arena and the perception of the rim and everything, you know, there's a lot of dynamics when we play in arenas, but compared to a ballroom. But um, definitely rooting for the Bucks for sure. Uh, I think Coach Bud has done an incredible job there. They have uh, they've shown, you know, that they can defend throughout the year. The number one defensive team in in, in the league. So I'm rooting for them. Uh, Giannis is, is going to be the MVP again. He's just uh, an amazing, amazing player. Uh, Chris Middleton has been incredible this year. So I, I got all my chips with them. And watch out for, watch out for a couple of teams, though. Um, the Raptors, for sure, with that championship medal. And then I would say I like watching in the West. Uh, I like watching Dallas play, Luka, and what he's doing. Uh, Houston, watch out for them. Uh, so we know the Clippers and Lakers will be there, but I, I like watching what Dallas is doing and also with Houston with the two-headed monster. Yeah, those are, those are some good ones. I really like uh, Luka Doncic. I think he's a tremendous talent. And the two-headed monster in Houston is always fun to see which yeah. one of them is going to kind of impart their will. The team, I think, if, if they can squeak in, is Portland because of Damian Lillard. Um, I got a chance to know him when I was still on the coaching side with the Blazers. I coached him in summer league before his rookie year. And I'm not going to go so far as to say I knew he was going to be this perennial all-star and, and be in the MVP conversation. But early on, you could tell there was something different and great about his mindset. And there was something great about his skill set. And it was just, as you know, in the NBA, lots of guys are talented. Lots of guys have the mindset. But can you put it all together? Yeah. Um, and you're one of those guys that did put it together because uh, over a 10-year career, multiple-time All-Star. But when I look at 
one of the most cool experiences that I could imagine for a, a, a fellow player like yourself. You got to represent the USA in the Olympics. Was that what you would consider your crowning achievement as a as a basketball player playing in the in the Beijing Olympics in 08? By far, the greatest athletic achievement in my career. Um, you can't get higher than that. And and I know the NBA championship is valued here in America, but to win on the global stage, to be on that great team, to be coached by a great coach, um, watched by four billion plus people around the world, it was surreal. And it was it was like, wow, God, how did I get here? You know, um, it was one of those moments. To play in the Olympics is one thing, and then actually win a gold medal is like, wow, another level. So that whole experience was such an amazing experience because of the three years prior to that, actually. So there was an appreciation for the journey um, just as much as it was for the moment when we won the gold medal. And I, I think the, the U, that USA basketball did it right where we were together three or four years before that moment ever happened and developed a cohesion, a chemistry. Our family spent time together. We had dinner together, lunch together, breakfast together. We played golf together. We did everything together. And it all culminated to that moment uh, in 2008. And so I'll never, ever forget it. And uh, learned so much from all the players that were on that team. Uh, quick story, I was one of the elder statesmen on the team at the time. I was 29. I think Kobe was 30. Jason Kidd was in his mid-30s. So we were the older guys and LeBron, and Carmelo, Chris Paul, Dwight Howard were the younger guys, Darren Williams. And uh, I remember wanting to lead and show leadership. So I got down to the gym around 5.30 to work out, and, and Kobe Bryant was there at 4.45 or so. And he looks at me and like, where you been? Like I was asleep. <laughs> we, we, think, we, were just a, we were just together around one o'clock or 12 o'clock at night having dinner together, hanging out. And uh, I said, we were just hanging out. I had to get some kind of sleep. Um, he said, no, nah, man, he said, this is, this is what it is. And so I learned so much from him during that experience. And we became very, very, very close um, during that time and talked more about life and family and uh, all kind of things. And we were like, I think, one of the closest guys on the team. Well, I was one of the closest guys he was close to on the team. Same age. Our birthdays are a day apart. And we're a year apart. And we had tremendous respect for our games. And me and him just kind of gravitated to each other um, and just had an incredible experience of learning from him. We worked out together in the offseason together. And uh, that team, I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah, that's uh... – Awesome story. You read about those stories all the time about Kobe's dedication and his work ethic. And I know yours was tremendous. And the fact that you went 5.30 a.m. to go work out and he had beat you by 45 minutes and he gave you a hard time. I mean, I prided myself on, on being dedicated and working hard. Um, but 4.45 a.m. in the morning, that's something else. That's something different. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, was, he was clearly the alpha on the team at the time. Although LeBron was coming, he was 23, 24 years old at the time um but uh you know kobe wanted to prove um that uh to the young guys to show leadership and show what it is to have work ethic um but was a tremendous team player on that team you know so he wasn't even the leading scorer on that team it was carmelo actually um and the beautiful thing about that team was no one cared about stats we just cared about winning and as you remember we lost in 2004 and we wanted to come back and, and have a chance to, in 2008, win that gold medal back to our country. So everyone was completely selfless and wanted to uh, 
had that gold wrapper on our necks and we were able to get it done. You had mentioned a second ago uh, when you were spending time with some of the guys on that Olympic team playing golf. Golf is one of my passions. I, I love getting out with, with my boys when I can. I, I love looking at golf course architecture and trying to figure out why things are done the way they're done. I think it's important for every athlete to kind of have a, a passion because uh, unfortunately too many times you'll see when guys are done with a career, um, they kind of get stuck like, hey, what do I do next? Um, you've got some passions outside of the game that you're really trying to, uh, I don't want to say take advantage of, but you're trying to really work on a day-to-day basis. Can you share a little bit about uh, the, your passions right now on the business side? Well, before we get to the business side, I have a passion for golf as well. Oh, yeah. Interesting to hear what your handicap is. I'm about a three and a half right now. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't, I would love to get a little bit lower, but as with any golfer, if you spend a little bit of time, you're always complaining about something. I, I, I could go have a nice round and kind of say I shot something and be disappointed in one or two shots that went the wrong way. I, uh, I'm a four one index. Uh, so, I'm, and I'm a five, so you got to give me a stroke. <laughs> nah, we, we got to play, man. We got to play. I, I love the game of golf. Uh, Jason Day is a good friend of mine. Uh, obviously he just performed well in the PGA championship and thought he had a chance to win. Um, but love golf. That's one of my passions. Uh, obviously on the business side of things, I'm really intrigued with entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurship. Um, there's so many parallels between entrepreneurship and, and what we did. We took a bet on ourselves, you know, in our careers and didn't have any contingency plans. It was all about basketball. It was all about perfecting our craft. It was all about teamwork. And so I love those elements to entrepreneurship and business. And it's been an intriguing thing to me for the last eight years that I've been out the game. Um, I think my core value spills over into business where I want to see the best for people. I love people and I love to hear stories of how, you know, a startup goes from one point to this one point, you know? So more than anything, I love working with the, the, the whole person, not just the business aspect of the leader, but the whole person, um, spirit, soul, body, and mind. Um, Because I believe that the healthier the leadership is, the healthier the company, the healthier the product. And so, um, but yeah, I I love technology um, and been been really intrigued with it for for many years now. But it's all fun. I enjoy it. It's it's interesting because when you're senior level in one space and you leave that space, there's sometimes an entitlement to think that you're senior in another space. And I learned very quickly that I am junior level at best in this new space of business and venture and private equity and what have you. And the same approach that I took to basketball, I took to business in a sense where I surrounded myself with really incredible people, uh, high level people. And I was usually uh, not the smartest person in the room um, every single time. And even to this day, I like to surround myself with genius people. But it's, 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 there's a lot of parallels. And so, but, the, but the, the thing I love to do the most is to encourage, to mentor, to teach um, people, not just about the EBITDAs and the returns and the ROIs, but about family, family balance, rest, 
those elements are just as important as growing the business. Well, it sounds like things have really come full circle with you as far as your approach to athletics and basketball and then kind of tailoring that into business. Also going from growing up in Columbus, going to Ohio State, and what I just read online the other day is you gave the commencement speech at Ohio State. Can you paraphrase really quickly what the message was to the recent graduates of Ohio State, or sorry, the Ohio State? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the. So it's funny, Dan. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible experience that I had um, of just pouring into the next generation of leaders. And part of the message was vision, having vision. I shared with you earlier how, how important that was to me. Um, I never want to share above my experiences. And so I was able to basically lay out my experiences and my journey, but from an encouraging standpoint to all the graduates to take risk, to take risk on yourself more, more than anything. Um, dare to, to, to be different. Distinction makes history. And so these are some of the things I share within the speech. Um, but it was, it was one of the great honors of my life to go from growing up 10 minutes away from campus and to be a knucklehead at 18 years old, pushing all the buttons on the elevator and being a kid at 18 to giving the commencement speech uh, 20 years later. It was surreal. It was completely humbling. My leg was shaking during the speech a little bit because of the moment, the gravity of the moment to go back and actually give the commencement speech at your alma was complete honor. Now it was different because obviously it was virtual, but still um, the feedback has been incredible and um, one of the great honors of my life. Well, I can sense a lot of pride in your voice and in, in how you spoke about that opportunity. Uh, one of the things I just want to leave you with is you bet on yourself and it worked. Um, I'm looking forward to checking out your new podcast, Bet on Yourself. And uh, really appreciate the time that you gave us, Mike, joining the ISO and SB Live Sports. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. And at some point, we will get reconnected. And hopefully it's on a golf course. And I'm not going to tell you that what my handicap is until you answer first. <laughs> You're my brother, man. So good to see you, man. And, uh, yeah, you'll give me a stroke or two. <laughs> All right. Well, take care and uh, best of luck. Thanks again, Mike. All right, D. Thank you, man. ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.